Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 105 of the show. In this episode, we're going to be recapping Match Day 13, the weekend games, um, before we give you picks for Match Day 14. And then I guess we'll do another one for 15, right? Yeah, it'll be like our normal Wednesday scheduled one. All right, cool. So um, my name is Evan, by the way. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Matt. We're back at it this week in the hectic holiday swing. Um, what's going on? Yeah, I just got done work. Um, we were talking earlier in the pre-show. The union come on at 5.30, so uh, if they can win this game, this will be the furthest they've ever gone in the MLS tournament or cup, whatever it's called. Um, so that'd be cool, local area team for us. And then um, other than that, uh, very poor weekend for me. I was saying, Evan, this is my worst pick week ever. I'll say this, that uh, Evan went 5-4. and four. Uh, I went 2-7. and seven. And then Zach, if you guys didn't listen, um, on one of, episode 104, part 2, um, Zach came on guest guest appearance. He went 6-3. and three, So... Um, it's a good thing the Tottenham game didn't happen because I took Burnley and I probably would have went two and eight. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, um, you and Zach, I was driving my girlfriend up uh, to the train station and we were just talking about the premier league cause she doesn't, you know, she doesn't watch at all. She doesn't watch anything really. Um, and I was explaining to her, you know, some of the picks Zach could have quite easily gone like. He could have had seven or eight, right? Um, That's what he told me. He said his goal was to get seven. Because he took a flyer on the, the Newcastle pick. Um, that one could have been like super, you know. He, he yeah, the one, he the ones he got wrong. Right? Yeah, the one he got wrong was uh, he picked, he took Newcastle Arsenal draw. Um, he went with Wolves against Norwich like both of us did. Yeah. And then um, the Chelsea game. Obviously, we all took Chelsea. Yeah, I mean that was we'll get into that, but that was quite a match. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get into the uh, recap here. Then um, we'll quickly go over some of these games. There was a couple zero zero stuff that wasn't necessarily appealing to watch, so we'll probably skip past them a little bit. But um, as far as the important games, Arsenal defeated Newcastle two nil at the Emirates, a home game for Arsenal. I think they looked relatively solid towards the um, second half. They really turned it up the first 10 to 15 um, after the halftime whistle. But before that, I mean, things looked really slow. Arsenal were knocking the ball around, playing Arteta ball, which is what I've seen it called. I don't necessarily know if he deserves a style named after him yet. Um, It's very simple, basic stuff. Um but they couldn't get anything going in an offensive sense. I mean, they just looked really suspect. I think there was a couple of chances for Newcastle that we got very, very lucky um, not conceding on. But the second half was a different story. Arsenal finished the game with 24 shots, six of them on target, um, and 66% possession. So I think this was one of the stronger teams that Arsenal can field. Um, a lot of the big names Odegaard did feature in this one as well. Um, kind of, I kind of feel like maybe we got a little lucky here. Newcastle didn't play that bad, especially in the first half. And, um, going into halftime, I'm, I was just thanking God that, that we had Ramsdale. Yeah. I mean, he saved Lord Voldemort's absolute <laughs> top corner. It was, that was Newcastle's best chance in the overall game, the full 90. Um, 
Callum Wilson was a big problem that um, Gabrielle took it on his own to uh, hold him up and put him in a bottle there and did very well. Um, St. Max, disappointing to watch from him. He had to come so far back to receive the ball, and uh, it's just too much of an ask for him to drive the ball 70 yards up the field um, to create something, but um, not his best day. And then obviously the supporting cast just wasn't there. Jolington, every time he touched the ball, it was like a brick hitting the ground. Um, just absolutely awful. And I mean, um, it was Eddie Howe's first match on the sidelines because last week he had COVID and that was his first official game. Um, and they managed to get a draw, but he just didn't have anything off the bench without Moran. And, um, who else did they bring on? I'm looking at Jacob Murphy and Hayden came on for John Joe and the dying embers of the game. So very tough. Uh, it was chippy to begin with. Arsenal, I will say this, did everything they could to um, challenge Newcastle. Not in the first half. It was kind of uh, pedestrian. But the second half came out and uh, Saka stepped up that first 15, got the goal. Unfortunately, took a knock and came out. But um, showed off the bench opposite of Newcastle that Martinelli, first third 90 seconds he was on scored. So overall, a very dominant performance from Arsenal. Um, I've been seeing over the past few weeks, Smith Rowe has been slow, um, in the starting games to get involved, but once the second half comes around, he becomes more of a, more of an effect on the game. Yeah. Um, I think that's just one of those things that maybe comes with youth. Um, you can pick up the pace and speed of the game a little bit quicker with more experience. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's a, definitely a fair assessment, um, of how he plays uh, at the beginning of games. Okay. I think I think Aubameyang's miss was. What do you think of that? Abysmal. I mean, I, I you know how we we decided that uh, Raul Jimenez was washed last week. Yeah. Well, I've thought that Aubameyang's been washed for a while now, but I'm gonna say it in hopes that maybe he scores next week. Uh, Aubameyang's finished. He needs to be sold immediately. You're taking a page out of my book. Uh, I am. I'm gonna see if I can reverse jinx it. Uh, let's move on to Liverpool versus Southampton, their farm club. Diogo Jota struck first in the second minute, once again in the 32nd. Thiago got on the score sheet in the 37th, and Virgil van Dijk in the 52nd. Now, I'd like to just let everybody know that the morning of this game, I woke up and I texted my friend Cookie and said, Diogo Jota is going to score first, and Liverpool are going to win by two goals at least. Uh, he bet it. I didn't bet it. It happened. Uh, he won money. I didn't lose. I didn't make any money that day. Actually, I lost a ton instead. You're being a good friend. I was. Um, when I give those picks away, I don't bet them, and then they typically hit. Uh, I'm I'm like 500 to no on bets that I give to people for free, and then don't bet. And it's really quite sad. But <clears throat> another sad result was uh, the way that that Southampton played in this game. I mean, really, really poor from them. 20 shots for Liverpool, 6 on target, 65% possession for Liverpool. They controlled the game the entire time, and they looked good all over the park. Um, Very important, here's one of my takeaways, to get a clean sheet in this game. Van Dijk not only um, getting a clean sheet for himself, but also scoring. Um, I think he, Konate, and then of course your two fullbacks out there, um, looked really good in this game. Allison didn't have a ton of work to do. Uh, I didn't know if this game would be 4-0. I did think that Liverpool would win convincingly, but this is one of those games where I just I watch and, and I'm reminded that n- not only do Liverpool pass and, and move the ball around extremely well, they are so clinical and they have so much talent up top. 
just just rotating guys and it doesn't even matter who plays up there they're always going to score yeah i always like minamino off the bench he gets mm -hmm. a lot of good chances um i'm looking here it says liverpool have now scored two plus goals in 17 consecutive games in all competitions uh becoming only the second t uh ever english team to do that in the top flight um as well as southampton have now lost more away matches uh 14 being and conceded more away goals at 47 than any other side in the premier league this in this calendar year so southampton on the road are dog shit while uh, Liverpool are flying right now, scoring goals like it's nothing. Um, I thought when you mentioned Jota, that, that morning he was at like a FIFA 22 qualifier or something, and then he came to the game. That's what I heard, yep. apparently. This is his qualifiers for this weekend, which I could not imagine playing in. I butt my head against a wall. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Liverpool dominant, of, of course. Um, Tiago getting a rare goal, nice deflection for him, and then uh, Van Dyke off a corner kick was nice to see. So, um, no Mo Salah goal, but he did get an assist. So he's always actively around that goal. Mane scored, but was uh, ruled offside. So obviously everybody around that uh, goal mouth is going to be active. Uh, Fabinho plays a great role that is uh, very undervalued when those wing backs go up. He slides right in between the center backs and uh, creates a, a almost impenetrable back three at times. So when he's fit, um, they look even that much more strong. So and I'm looking here at the lineup on the page I have. It's the Southampton came out in like a 3-4-3 or something, trying to add more pressure onto that back line, but they just couldn't get the ball out of the back. And it, it, it just playing this Liverpool team is too much right now. I mean, they're just in the best form right now. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Like, I can't say anything negative about them currently. Yeah, no, it's it's very hard to. Um, find places to pick on this Liverpool team when they get a clean sheet. I mean, defensively, the, they've been suspect in recent weeks, but a performance like this against uh, Southampton side, who I don't think are awful and certainly have some threats, um, is convincing, you know, and it's definitely something to include in making a case that Liverpool are one of um, the best teams in the league. Okay, we'll move on. Um, Norwich City nil, Wolves nil. This game sucked. I don't have a ton to say about it. Other than Norwich looked a little better. They seem to look a little better in the past couple weeks um, when attacking the net. Uh, they just look better. They look like they have more of a sense of, maybe not more of a sense of this, but more of a desire to actually score. Uh, which is important as a team trying to stay up. And Wolves, I think, in this one, it's more of an indictment of the way Wolves played. Looked listless um, and ultimately very, very impotent um, when it came to putting chances away. And they didn't have a ton of chances, to be honest. I think Newcastle kind of outplayed them here in an offensive sense. Yeah, I mean, I thought Norwich had their chances to win this game as well as Wolves. It was just... Uh, it came down to people not being clinical enough. Uh, I'd lean more towards Norwich should be more disappointed because this is a game they definitely could have had. Pookie had a few chances. I know Josh Sargent had one. Billy Gilmore played a great game, uh, get being actively involved in there. But um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Wolves with um, their attack. It's Zach and I both thought this was going to be a low-scoring affair. Um, we were leaning more towards Wolf, like on a one nil line, but it just came down to people not taking their chances. And Hanemann yep. uh, is back to his normal ways. Uh, one week after, I don't say anything about him, so um, I'll say it again. It was just a blip. Maybe mm -hmm. he can 
go against me next, or I shouldn't even say next week in a few days now, um, when they when they play uh, Burnley, who's well rested now after that game being uh, postponed today. Indeed, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to a game that didn't end nil nil. Crystal Palace one, Aston Villa two. Matt Target got Villa on the board in the 15th minute, a very early start for them. They held that lead um, all the way <clears throat> through the game. Uh, John McGinn added one in the 86th, and then Mark Way, he got one in stoppage time at uh, the end of the second half in the 95th. But um, this was an interesting game, man. I mean, I, I felt that it was kind of tactical, uh, but similarly or simultaneously uh, sort of grindy. Palace were the one that controlled the ball for the most of the game, 64% possession, passed the ball really well, I thought, um, very, very deliberate passing, and they looked okay, I mean, they had a couple chances that they worked in there, um, eight shots for them, only three on target, Villa similarly had 10 shots and three of those on target, but um, they had to do a lot more with their chances, and they did, they put two away versus just the one, uh, very, very late for Crystal Palace. Do we think um, Palace were pretending for a couple weeks, or do we think that they're just having um, a momentary pause in form? I don't know. Now that we're seeing more Elizzi and not as much Jordan Ayew, I think that experience is kind of showing there when when they when they when they're in these close matchups that the youth isn't uh, producing as much. Um, Gallagher's still performing just as much as he was in those wins and in that unbeaten run. It's just people aren't putting away their chances. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, Mark Way, their center back now, two and two. Um, the main problem for them I'm looking here is Crystal Palace have conceded the most goals from set pieces. They've conceded from eight corner kicks and on two um, free kicks. So um, they have a real problem there that, that Vieira has got to clean up. Um, another thing, James Tompkins was in this game. As soon as I saw him on the field, I knew they were fucked. I don't know where Anderson was or what was going on with him, but that was a major loss. Uh, as well as the, the momentum of the game was just against them for 75% of the time. A lot of calls against them. Um, Zaha got a yellow card for getting involved again with another player. Um, but they could have had a momentum shift um, when Douglas, Week, Douglas Louise came on a, as a sub for Villa. A uh, long time we haven't seen him in there, that holding mid for them. Um, there was a red card given to him, and it was VAR reversed it to just a yellow card. So that could have been a massive swing in momentum for them. but. It just wasn't enough. Stevie G is just doing enough to get by these teams, and it's going to be a real challenge when they come up against a, a like a title contending team or a more established club with an identity. So, yeah, back to your original point. I think it's a little bit of a blip, maybe a little bit of a reality check to like uh, put them in their place in the league table. But um, yeah, I think the Aston Villa is just on their on their high right now, and just Palace was in the way. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, okay, let us move on to Brighton nil, Leeds nil. Um, Brighton look to be in better shape here. They've had a, uh, a pretty rough run of form in the past couple weeks. Um, now just three points out of their last one, two, three, four, five games. So still not ideal, but a good draw against a Leeds team who you never know what you're going to get against. Um, 20 shots for Brighton, four of those on target, 57% possession um, versus Leeds 11 and four on target. 
Now, my takeaway from this game was that there is a problem with Calvin Phillips. Um, apparently, media has been all over this today. Um, I didn't necessarily see it the day of the game. He doesn't seem to be in. He doesn't seem to be moving alongside the rest of the team. I don't know if that's because he missed time or if because there's something going on with Bielsa. The media seems to think that um, there's some sort of line in the sand between Bielsa um, and Calvin Phillips, and I think that that is going to be a huge issue if true, um, because Calvin Phillips is one of the players that is at the heart and soul of this team. I think. Um, he did play center back in this game. Sometimes you see him play in the midfield, and sometimes you see him um, all the way back. But, yeah, that was weird. I, I saw when, when I was watching the game, because I watched most of it, um, that Phillips looked uh, a pace behind, a step behind everybody else. Um, so I don't know if there's something going on mentally for him or, or what. But um, I think Leeds were very lucky to get away with a point in this one. Um, Brighton looked menacing, threatening in front of the goal. Uh, they did put out a pretty solid lineup here, and it's good to see um, Tariq Lanthi back. That was another thing that, that I wanted to note. Yeah, he's he's a great going forward for them. He's a great attacking wing back, kind of like how uh, Alexander Arnold is in a way and Reese James. But I was shocked more in this game being 0 0 than the Wolves game because when I watched the highlights, I, I was shocked with the amount of chances that were missed. Um, the Mupai miss from six yards out at dead center in the goal. Oh, he missed the open net. That was way worse than a bomb Yangs. Um, on the same day, uh, I just couldn't believe all the chances on both sides that were missed. So, and that's been a real problem for Le- for both of these teams, I should say, because we're seeing now that the they're settling in the table where they should be. Brighton, we know they started hot. They were in fourth. Now they've slowly dropped off uh, week in week out. Uh, down in ninth now, tied there with United. And then Leeds are in the relegation battle. So if it's true with the Calvin Phillips drama, um, then they're really going to need to figure out a solution, whether that's to get rid of Bielsa or or move on from Phillips in January. I don't know, because like you said, he's a big part in that locker room. And I just... It's just falling on it's just falling on deaf ears sometimes with these problems. There's it's week in, week out, the same problems and nobody's fixing it. So um I think Leeds are in a worse position now than Brighton at this point. Obviously Brighton haven't gotten a win in like seven games, but um Leeds are in a worse position in the table. So they really need to clean up what's going on behind the scenes for things to work on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, another shit game. God, there were so many. Um, Brentford won Everton nil. This game was today. The difference was an Ivan Tony penalty in the 24th minute. Wow. Um, I think Brentford got away with one here, but at the same time, I don't think Everton deserved to win um, anything right now. I mean, they just look absolutely poor. They lined up with Rondon up top today. Still no um, DCL. Still not seeing a lot of Rich Arlison either. Man, this game sucked. It was so bad. Um, Brentford were the team that <clears throat> kind of had to just deal with what they what they got. Um, Everton controlled the game with 60% possession. Five of those shots that they had uh, out of 14 were on target. 
And Brentford, you know, they had 40% and, and just passed the ball around when they got it. They kind of just waited, waited for the game to come to them um, because they got that, that lead so early. And Everton were never threatening enough to, to make them make mistakes. And I think that's something that you see when there's no DCL, Everton sort of wait back. They wait for the game to come to them, or if they have the ball, they pass it around nonchalantly. Um, and in this game, I mean, really, Brentford Brentford got lucky, and then that was it. Everton were never going to fight for the game back. Um, I just, I, I feel like maybe maybe Brentford got away with this one, but at the same time, I'm conflicted because I just don't think Everton play hard enough to deserve any points ever. Yeah, this is uh, Brentford's first win at home since the opening day against Arsenal. Um, their main guy, Tunigan, on the score sheet was nice. He tucked it away cleanly. Uh, but like you said, other than that, it wasn't anything special. Um, for the first time, I think, this season, Everton dominated in possession 60-40%, to 40%, uh, had more of the shots, and just had more opportunities to create something, but just didn't have those players to put the chances away. And there was times where the ball was just floundering in the box, and Nobody could get a clean hit on it. So I'll say one positive for Everton is they get to Corey back in the middle of the park. Um, that's a huge step up for them. That's one thing they can build off of. Uh, and they just need to work on their attacking and uh, finishing, just like we were talking about with Leeds and Brighton. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to... <clears throat> Where's this next game? Oh, City 2, West Ham 1. Another game this morning. Um... Okay, Gundogan scored in the 33rd. Fernandinho got one in the 90th. And then, sadly, I mean, this was an absolute peach of a goal. Manuel Lanzini with a beautiful turn um, and touch to rocket one in in the 94th. This game was in the snow. It was super fun to watch. Um, I thought that maybe West Ham would be in it more. Um, City really, really looked dominant out there. I mean, they had a ton of chances, nine shots on target, 19 total shots, um, 70% possession, and they passed the ball um, in circles around West Ham, even in the snow. City looked so good. Um, and I know we talk about this all the time. They're so deep. They can slot so many different players in, in all sorts of positions. I mean, Mares played in the center in this game. You don't see that all that much. Um, Raz out on the wing with Gabriel Jesus um, out on the right wing as well. And they just looked so good. I mean, City are probably the team that, that should win the league. We'll see if they do. I mean, Chelsea are certainly contenders as well, and Liverpool. Um, but a game, a performance like this against the West Ham side, who are, you know, uh, in the top five clubs right now, um, is just so convincing. And it makes such a good case for, for City winning the league. Yeah, we're gonna start seeing that gap uh, open between the top three and the rest of the of the pack falling behind. So I think this is the time they do that. I think in this game, yeah, you mentioned I saw the I was in the truck today working. I was watching the game. Uh, crazy, you kind of forget what the field looks like in the snow. Just uh, it's something you remember. I think that'd be a great experience if you go to a game like that. Um, it's a wild experience, but. Uh, Zach and I both thought this game was going to be low scoring and it was for 90 minutes of the game. Um, and then that extra time happens and then just the overhits, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was man city from start to finish West Ham were just chasing for the most part. And when they did get the ball, it was just, there was nothing they could really do. Um, man city's counter press on the guys didn't, uh, really hurt them. 
they had to put Masuaku in there, who hasn't played in a while for them, uh, filling in. But Bowen came off the bench. Um, Aaron Quest- Cresswell picked up a bit of a knock. He made a goal line saving tackle, and his lower back went right into the post. So it's questionable whether he'll be able to play Tuesday um, when they when they face uh, Brighton. Uh, but I think it'll be okay if he misses that because Brighton's not too much of a, a risk against them going forward. Currently, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, Man City, you mentioned Mara's up front in the nine role. I mean, they could just put anybody who they want in there. They could put Silva, uh, Jesus, any of the six guys they have, they could put them there. It doesn't really matter. Um, Diaz came back in this game. Nice to see from him uh, in the middle of the park with Laporte. And then you mentioned the Lanzini goal. Yeah, that was probably goal of the week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that that goal was insane. I said earlier in a chat, um, it's a shame it means absolutely fucking nothing because, wow, what a peach. Um, okay, we will move to another snowy game. Watford took on Leicester City. Um, Leicester walk away with four goals at home at the King Power. Um, versus Watford's two. James Madison opened the scoring in the 16th minute. Watford struck back with a penalty from Josh King in the 30th. Vardy got two in a row in the 34th and 42nd. Emmanuel Bonaventure brought them within one in the 61st. And then Adamola Lookman, ex-Fulham boy, got one for himself in the 68th to ensure that Leicester would walk away with a comfortable lead man these these snowy games there was a lot of chances in most of them um i really like watching the snow games i used to remember um playing on fifa uh with the snow setting it was always such a disaster so they took it out um but man it was always fun to watch and those games were always crazy and and slippery and wild um and that was that was kind of the case in this one i mean this was really entertaining a lot of shots on target a lot of shots in general um lester with the team that had most of the possession but to be honest i felt um, that Watford moved the ball around relatively well. They didn't look as good as they did against United, but of course United were in shambles last week. Um, I think my takeaway for this game is uh, Leicester absolutely needed this game. I did pick this game correctly because I said Leicester need this game or else they're going to be donezo. Um, and, and they got it here. So this was a good result for Leicester. Still, I think they would have been looking for a clean sheet, but they'll certainly take the three points and... A, uh, a margin of a victory of two. Yeah, I think if you're Watford, you couldn't have asked for much better of a time to play Leicester with how their form's been recently. But uh, the Leicester boys showed up. I mean, they played a, a Watford team who we know is flippy floppy. They'll play teams that are down bad and get big results. We've seen Everton United, but at the same time, they'll be they'll get humbled against Liverpool five nil, and as well as losing to a bunch of other mid-table to relegation teams 1-0. So uh, we know Leicester has a problem with their back line, the Watford being gifted two goals here. Um, Leicester are the, I have here, the second most team giving up penalties. That's the third penalty they've given up this season in 13 games, only behind Newcastle, who have given four. So that's a problem they need to clean up, uh, stopping problems but before they become a massive thing. And... Um, I mean, Jamie Vardy getting a brace is nice. He hasn't had a, a game like that in a little while. Uh, and then I mentioned James Madison in the episode a few days ago, and now he scores. So it's pretty much whatever whoever we mention is washed or is a bit uh, in the shadows. They just come out of nowhere. So yeah. I think that's a good tip for now on if we mention anybody like that. I think 85% of the time it'll hit. Yeah, just bet so. on them to score. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, did you you didn't watch this game today, right? Have you seen the the highlights? Chelsea game. Uh huh. Nah, I watched it. I was in the truck watching the whole time, pretty much. All right, I'm gonna let you. I'll let you do this one then. I mean, the game went exactly how everybody thought it was going to yep. go. It just came down to little mistakes. We talk about the Sancho goal, his first in the in the league this year, uh, second and two after the goal in the Champions League midweek against Villarreal. Um, I thought Carrick and the coaching staff fully, they the players fully executed their game plan, and full credit to them. I think they'll be more happy with this result uh, over Chelsea's perspective. Um, it was disappointing. I mean, the Jorginho touch, he's trying to bring a ball down 200 feet from the air in a one touch. I mean, just he should have just walloped the ball away because he has Rashford and Sancho beaming at him. But, I mean, hindsight's 20, hindsight is twenty twenty, and he did correct his mistake when he equalized with the penalty, um, which we were fortunate with when Thiago Silva got whacked by Juan Masaka, um, just like a tenth of a second ahead reaching for that ball. Uh, and it was fortunate. We were lucky to get a point in this game. I mean, we dominated possession, dominated the shots. Uh, we unloaded the bench. We bring on about $400 million worth of players. Um, and it just wasn't enough. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say, but giving credit to United, when Ronaldo came off the bench, um, he added a little bit of somebody to watch out for, but he never really showed up in the game with how his usual uh, reputation uh, that he has. Um, I think the three holding mids they played was nice for them. It was more of a security blanket for Bailly and Lindelof, who I thought did really well, um, as well as Tellez. Tellez did a good job for the first time he's played um, in, a, in, a, in a, probably a few months even yeah. in the league. But um, yeah, it's just not finishing your chances and... A few calls don't go your way, and when United scored their goal, they had momentum for the next 10 minutes, and it was tough. I thought Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho overall had a nice game. Um, Alonso didn't have, have much of an influence, uh, as Ben Chilwell has been. That was a huge, that was probably the number one loss we had. Obviously, Conte is Conte, but uh, when Chilwell is providing the attacking threat he does, um, that's always a huge loss. So, yeah, just very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I think what I took away from this game because I I did watch it. I there was so much, so many sports on today. It was great. Um, just how fragile a not only a lead but a result can be. Um, I think everybody going th- into this game was expecting Chelsea to come out and absolutely pump United, and that is what they did. Um, despite having three in the back, or no, not three in the back. They essentially had seven in the back. Because they played three defensive midfielders in front of you know uh, the four the back four, um, and Chelsea still managed to pump them, still managed to get chances, still managed to knock the ball around really well. There wasn't an, an um, I'm struggling to find words today. the The play wasn't as broken up as I thought it would be when I saw United's team sheet. Um, you know, you guys know that I don't think. United's defensive identity is currently good um, by any stretch, but just having that many players in the defensive midfield, I figured they'd sit on their haunches and they'd break play up. I, I really didn't feel that they did that very well. Um, they were extremely lucky to to get away with that goal, I think. That was a, a rare Jorginho mistake. You don't see that very much. He's an extremely consistent player. I think he provides fantastic service to Chelsea. 
Um, and I didn't see him really getting slandered that hard by Chelsea fans, just by fans of, you know, other clubs. Um, but man, like just the results are so fragile in this league and on any day, any team can beat any other team. Jaden Sancho getting his first goal, how fitting, um, it was that his goal was essentially a tap in where he didn't have to do anything whatsoever. I think that's funny. Um, but one of the other storylines, of course, is that Cristiano Ronaldo started on the bench in this game. I know you mentioned that. I know you mentioned that things changed just slightly when he came on. Um, I mean, do you want to elaborate on, on how you feel about the Ronaldo benching? Because I, I don't have a problem with it, but I saw Roy Keane and um, Jamie Carragher really arguing about it. They they seem to think that, well, Jamie was saying that um, Ronaldo should <clears throat> should be benched, you know, if if he if the manager thinks that there's going the team's going to get a little something out of you know freshening the team up, getting some new blood in, um, then he should be benched. And and Kane on the other hand said he should never ever be benched. So I I mean I think I'm I'm with Carragher on this one. But what do you think? I think as an icon of the club and his mindset, he wants to play every single game is fair. Yeah, but. For the tactics that were set up in this game, you're not expecting a 37 year old like him to work a full 90 most and 80 percent of the time not have the ball. Right. Um, I think most of the weight of that defensive unit fought, fell on those forward players today, mm -hmm. really closing down the the passing lanes uh, between the defenders because that's where almost all of our plays created is from those back three. Um, and I thought they did a good job. I mean. We didn't have as many clear-cut chances from our wingbacks as I'd like. Um, but yeah, I think it was a better bet. I mean, my first look at the sheets, I was like, wow, no Ronaldo. But um, as the game was going on and what, listening to everybody commentate and just the way it was going, I thought that it made sense for him not to start. Um, but there were chances for Chelsea to win the game. And the very last kick of the game, uh, ball whipped in from Pulisic. Nice play from Ziyech. And Rudiger's wide open from about 10, 12 yards out. And he he skied the volley. I mean, I, I'm not going to blame him solely for losing the game, but it was an overall team team defeat. Even though it was a draw, it was a team defeat. I'm not going to pick out one singular moment where we lost the game. It was overall just not um, being clinical. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. That is the last game of the week. We're going to preview... Um, match day 14, and then we'll be back um, Wednesday or Thursday, one of those days, to give you guys a preview of 15 and a recap of 14. So, Newcastle take on Norwich City um, Tuesday, November 30th at 2.30 p.m. I am on Newcastle on this one. Ooh, we have a new win probability stat on uh, on Google to check the games. Newcastle, currently 51% win probability. I think that's probably true. Um, I don't think that this game's going to end in a draw. Um, I think, you know, one of the two teams win, and I think it's about time Newcastle do so. Norwich have the second best form in their last three games in the league, only by Man City have won all three of their games. Uh, Norwich, two wins and a draw. Uh, slowly climbing out of that bottom three. Um, I think most people are going to lean more towards Newcastle here. I think they're they're the team that, like you were mentioning last week with Leicester, I think this is a game they absolutely need to win. It's a six-pointer um, with a team right next to them in the table. 
It'll be massive, uh, and they can carry it on into next week with another team just similar to Norwich being Burnley. Um, I don't know. There's a little bit of me that wants to pick a draw here. I feel like Norwich, with how they've been playing, has been a lot better. Dean Smith in there, he's playing the right people, I think. But they are due mistakes. We've seen every game, even today, uh, or yesterday, I should say, against Wolves. There were opportunities for them to lose the match. But the Wolves just didn't have the players to finish them. And I do think Newcastle have those players that can create nothing out of something. So I'm going to I'm gonna take a chance here with Newcastle again um, for the 19th time for them to get their first win. Hopefully, they don't they don't shoot us in the back here, but I'm going to back the, the Magpies. Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping they don't shoot us in the back either, but they are known to do so. We have Leeds United taking on at Crystal Palace up next. Leeds are the favorite in this game. Surprisingly, I like Palace to get back on track. I think they need to. Um, they currently sit six spots uh, above Leeds United in the table, four points ahead. Um, two wins in their last five, and I think they get another win here. I'm backing Palace. I'd like to believe that too, but there's something that's telling me it's not going to be this week. I mean, still no Bamford. Um, I don't know. With all that drama you mentioned with Phillips, I can definitely see that. Um, they're definitely going to be... Um, it's looking like Anderson may come back this week for Palace. He was out for this match. He may return. That'll be a huge boost. I think Benteke can definitely dominate that back line with his size. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Palace. I think the turmoil at Leeds is going to continue, and Palace are going to get a midweek victory. Okay. Um. All right, Southampton versus Leicester City. Wow, win probability is in Southampton's favor here. I like Leicester to continue along the path they started this week and to win this game. I can see this one ending in a draw, but I think I'm going to pick Leicester straight up. Yeah, just because you said that and last time it worked for me, I'm going to go with a draw here. Um, I definitely think Southampton at home are much better. Um, they control the, the game well. I think Leicester, after this week, are going to have more confidence going in, uh, especially on a short week. They're going to carry that momentum even faster. Uh, Southampton don't have as many days to fix up those problems from Liverpool on Saturday, um, but I think they do just enough to get a draw here. Okay, cool. Um, fair enough. I'm struggling to find these. Okay, Wolves versus Burnley up next on December 1st. Wolves heavy favorite in this one, as they should be. I think they get back on track. I'm still not sold on Wolves, but I do think that they get this win against Burnley. Um, This is a game where I don't see a draw being possible whatsoever, especially after Wolves' nil-nil draw last week. I think it's either going to go in a sneaky fashion to Burnley or in a convincing fashion to Wolves. But I'm going to bet with Wolves uh, in this one. Not confidently, but I will. Yeah, uh, Burnley pride themselves on us on set pieces and crosses. They've scored five this year, uh, where Wolves haven't conceded a goal yet from a set piece, um, all being from open play and just penalties. So they do well there. So it's going to be a battle between uh, an immovable object and an unstoppable force. Um, I think with Burnley having more time off after this game being postponed will be in their favor. Um, they are they the home team? No, Wolves is home. Yeah. Um, 
I think I'm going to carry over what I did last week with Burnley against Tottenham. I think Burnley's going to get the win here. I think Wolves really struggle going forward. I think Burnley's defense is going to be a big problem for them. All right, cool. Um, Watford versus Chelsea. This one's straightforward for me. Chelsea get a win here against Watford. Don't care where the game is, although it is at Vicarage Road. Um, Chelsea heavy favorite, and I think for good reason. Um, They win this one straight up. Yeah, after seeing Lukaku come off the bench, I'm more inclined to think he'll start in this game, especially after what Werner did. Um, I don't think Watford's going to be ready. It's going to be an absolute annihilation, Chelsea here. Yeah, I agree. Okay, West Ham versus Brighton. After an unlucky loss against Manchester City, who sit at the top of the table, West Ham are taking on the Seagulls, who are also looking to get back to winning ways. Um... West Ham have lost their last two. Um, Brighton have only lost one in their last two. Uh, form would dictate that that <clears throat> West Ham are still in better shape because they have more points, uh, and I think they are in better shape. I think West Ham win this one convincingly, and I think Mikel Antonio scores. So I'm going to take West Ham in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go West Ham as well. Uh, the last two times these guys met last year were both draws, 2-2 and 1-1. Um, but I do think West Ham has the edge here, especially with Brighton having big scoring problems. And uh, I think West Ham did a great job against Man City, holding them only to two. Um, great showing from them. They were they kept the match very competitive the whole time. And I think they'll have a better time in this Brighton matchup with more of a 50-50, maybe a slight edge in possession here. But... I think Brighton will be a team to challenge them and push them to their limits here midweek. Yeah. Okay, we have Everton versus Liverpool coming up next. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Merseyside Derby. I like Liverpool in this one. This time last season, we were thinking, hmm, maybe Everton could contend against Liverpool in a Derby. But at this point, Liverpool looks so good. Everton looks so bad. I just don't see... Um, how this could go any other way but Liverpool's. So I'm going to say that they win, and I honestly think that they batter Everton in this one. Yeah, especially after the last time they played Everton won for the first time, I think about uh, like 10 years or something wild. Um, I don't I don't see it going that way again. I think Liverpool's in the best form right now. They've been in a while, um, probably since Klopp's been in charge. Uh, and I think it carries on here, and, and, and uh, probably a 4-0 win. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, we have Aston Villa versus Manchester City up next. Jack Grealish going up against his old club. We'll see if he plays. Um, this game is Wednesday, December 1st. City are heavy favorites in this one. Um, I think City probably have to get a weird result at some point here soon, maybe a draw or something. Um, you know, a little bit of a slip, but I don't think it comes in this game. I mean, I don't care that they have the new manager bump. Uh, I don't care who plays for Villa. I don't care who plays for City. I just think City are going to get outclassed, or Villa are going to get outclassed, outcoached, um, and outplayed in every single way. So I'm going to take City straight up. Yeah, this is Stevie G's first big match um, in in the Premier League. Now he got two two nice results against mid table teams, uh, but this is his first uh, Goliath of a challenge against Manchester City, who are title contenders. Um, I, I'm leaning towards City here, 
but I can definitely see Villa make this a game for maybe a small portion, but I think City will eventually wear them down uh, defensively, as we've seen in the past, that they've collapsed uh, in the back, and I think this will be one of those with Man City being uh, the winner. Okay, cool. Um, Alrighty, just two more here. We have Tottenham versus Brentford. Ooh, this could be an interesting one. Um, this game is at the new Hotspur stadium. I like Tottenham to win this game. They're going to have an extra, uh, little bit of rest because they didn't play today because Tottenham Burnley was postponed, um, after snow up at, uh, up in Burnley at Turf Moor. So I'm going to take Tottenham. I think they get, um, you know, a kind of a bump from that rest. And I think that they beat Brentford who just got away with a lucky one against Everton. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the extra day's rest and, uh, more time to, uh, do film and, and prep work for Brentford will be nice for Tottenham here. I think Conte will have the boys ready. Um, and I could definitely see Harry Kane get one here all, with a weak Brentford back line. Yeah. Okay. And the game of the week, Arsenal take on Manchester United Thursday, December 2nd at 3.15 p.m. I don't think I have anything going on. I think I'm going to be able to actually sit down at my TV and watch this game. I cannot wait for it. Uh, this game could be really good. Or it could be really kind of sloppy. Um, I think United got lucky. Getting a point against Chelsea. They probably shouldn't have. They seem to be stabilizing. Under new management. And I don't know if they'll have Ralph Ragnick. At the helm by the time this game goes off. Or what. I don't really care. I'm going to take Arsenal. I think they win this game. Um, I think they have to beat a big club because they beat a lot of small clubs and people are questioning whether they're ready or not. I can't tell you if they're ready or not, um, but I think they all know they need to win this game if they want to be talked about. So I'm going to take Arsenal, but that's a homer pick. Yeah, this is a statement uh, match for Arsenal here. If they're going to show everybody they're serious about a top six finish, uh, Man United is a team that's definitely competing for this area in the table. Um, it's going to be similar to how that Tottenham game was. I think it's going to be very feisty in the middle of the park. It's going to be a lot of gritty plays, uh, a lot of action between each team's D-mids. Ronaldo is definitely going to start in this game. You won't have as much defensive duties as they did today against Chelsea. Um, Arsenal aren't going to have as much time on the ball as they did with Newcastle. There's going to be more pressing from those attacking players. Hopefully, Saka will be available here uh, for the Gunners. Um, it's looking like it's going to be iffy, but I don't, I'm not sure that's it, obviously it's going to be a massive influence on the game. Um, but I think Ronaldo here is going to be an X factor and I think Man United get the edge. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that is all of our picks for, um, the Thursday, the Wednesday, what is it? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Yeah. yeah. Three days of games. Um, so maybe... Maybe the show won't be, maybe it'll have to be Thursday, um, Thursday night, and then we'll have watched all of the games to be able to give you guys a recap before we give you a... You know, I'm going to a wedding. I have a wedding on next Saturday, and I leave Thursday, so okay. it'll either have to be Wednesday night, or we could do it like Thursday morning, because I'm going to leave in the afternoon on Thursday, but okay. um, we we probably won't 
the Thursday games won't have happened before um the next episode we have. So that's probably what's going to happen here. Yeah, unless, that's fine. Unless you want to do a solo one on Thursday, but we'll see what happens later in the week. Yeah, I'm not stressed about it. Um, you guys will get you guys will get your recaps and your previews. Don't sweat it. Whether it's solo stuff or together and and just modified, um, it's not a big deal. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We're just rounding out at around 50 minutes right now. Make sure you check us out on social media. Um, at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Post Twenty Pod, and also wherever you can find podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. That's it for me, Matt. You have anything else for the guys? Or are you good? Uh, nope. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, appreciate you guys listening every every episode. Um, numbers have definitely been going up. Yeah. Uh, each episode here, more listeners. We appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you interact with us on Twitter. That's our main social media network. We use Instagram. Evan will post most of the pickums for for the NFL, what they do with the spreads and that. Um, but yeah, other than that, appreciate you listening every week. All right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you later. All right. Take care.